Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. And this is your new Comics Wednesday episode for Wednesday, May 19th. A lot of books out this week. Uh, an interesting mix of books. Uh, like not, not a ton of books where I'm like, oh, my God, that totally blew me away. But a lot of really solid books. Uh, I kind of feel like some of the best books were DC books. And, and you know, I'll remind everybody... Our DC spotlight goes up on Tuesdays because the DC books come out on Tuesdays and those have spoilers. Uh, and I continue to think that Nightwing and Catwoman are the best two titles that DC's putting out. Uh, so today, as longtime listeners will know, it, we're going to go over the non-DC books that we got a chance to read uh, already. And, you know, we don't get preview copies from every publisher and we record these on Tuesday nights before the books are actually available. So, you know, unfortunately, we don't talk about Boom or, or Dark Horse or some of the other ones that I wish we could talk about. Uh, but we talk about most of the time we talk about Marvel and Image and uh, Aftershock. And uh, there's some really great, great books that, that came out this week. Uh, so obviously, Jay doesn't get a chance to join us on the, the Tuesday spotlights, but I'll give you a, a chance to shout out any DC books that you read this week that you really liked. Uh, are you reading Nightwing? I can't, I can't remember. Oh, yes, yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. I like that one. I like uh, Robin, and I do like uh, the Batman Fortnite. It's, it's different. I, I think when they did it, I thought it was supposed to be just like silly, you know. But then like, they expected the writers actually do a good job, and the artwork is amazing. Yeah. Do you play Fortnite at all? I did when I was deployed because that's what you do when you're bored. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're probably getting more out of it than even I am because I've never played even one second of Fortnite or any of those. What do they call ba- battle? Battle. What are they called? Battle Royales. Uh, yeah, Battle Royales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm ba- I'm barely a game. I, the gaming days are are behind me. Uh, so yeah, uh, everybody. Another thing that I'll mention about our DC spotlight. Obviously, the big news this week: AT and T admitting defeat, ad- admitting they made a mistake, not coming right out and admitting it, of course, because they're way too arrogant for that. Uh, and that's pretty much a death knell in the corporate world, but. They did. They made a mistake. They made a mistake in spending $85 billion for Warner Brothers. And they know that now. So they're spinning Warner Brothers off on its own. Uh, AT&T and its executives will no longer be involved in the day-to-day operations of Warner Media going forward. So Warner Media is going to merge with Discovery, and it will be an entirely new public company. AT&T will still own a substantial amount, well over half, I think 71% of the stock, but they're no different than any other stockholder. You know, they're not going to be making decisions, although they will be able to obviously exert uh, influence, but whether or not they sell some of that stock, if the price goes up and try to cover some of their massive debt, because remember, not only did AT&T buy Warner Media for 85 billion, you know, earlier 10, maybe 10, nine years ago now, they bought DirecTV for like 140 billion. So uh, yeah, a couple of really bad choices there. Um, and so AT&T is looking to get their stock uh, bouncing back from decades of being in the toilet. And so getting rid of a bunch of red ink and a bunch of debt uh, is what they've decided to do and how to how to do that. So and they really had no business owning an entertainment company. They, they don't know how to run an entertainment company, as opposed to Discovery, which is uh, does a pretty good job. And they've wanted to get some uh, scripted premium programming for a long time to go with their bevy of uh, reality TV that they produce. So there's a lot more in-depth analysis in the DC Spotlight episode if, uh, for the first 20 minutes, Rocky and I break it all down. 
a lot of it's speculation. You know, there's a lot still up in the air. The deal has to be approved by the, the government and whatnot, FCC and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, but I, I'm, I'm choosing to look at it as a glass, glass half full thing and that it's going to be a, a good move for DC Comics in the long run. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and uh, dive into some of the books we're going to talk about today. We're going to start with Daredevil number, what number are we on? Number 30 now. Um, from writer Chip Zdarsky, we have Marco Cicchetto and Mike Hawthorne on pencils. Marco Cicchetto and Adriano Di Benedetto on inks. Marco Menez does the colors. Clayton Cowell on letters. Gorgeous cover with uh, Electra in her Daredevil outfit on the, on the cover. And uh, I'm curious, Jay, what what did you think of this issue? Are you still digging on Daredevil? You feel like it's falling off? Like where where are you at? Oh no, I'm I'm still hooked on it. I love the artwork. Um, the, the coloring is just perfect. I, I mean, there's a lot of red in there. I don't know if they do that intentionally, but uh, whenever there's like a night scene, they do a lot of more shadows of red in it, which is pretty cool. Um, there's a lot going on in this uh, issue. I don't want to give away too much, but you know, uh, Matt has that choice to you know uh, stay in prison and go out. We'll leave that alone. You have to read that to find out. Um, Electra is still training uh, Alice, you know, hand to hand. And she does something that she wasn't supposed to. And then you find out uh, Fist is actually teaming up with uh, another uh, character from the uh, Marvel Universe. But the key thing of all of it, after everything was the very end, because he gets a phone call that, you know, we knew was coming eventually. And it finally came. So I'm just curious to see what happens. Because uh, the cover, I guess, of the next one's kind of, I'm kind of curious who that is. That's, you know, that the same character or what's going on. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um the fight scenes are beautiful, though. <laughs> I, 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 well, the, yeah, the fight scenes are amazing, and part of what makes them so amazing is the the costume they've come up with for Electro when she's she's Daredevil. You know, it's not, it's she, it's not just Matt's costume. You know, she's got some baggy pants, but then you know, tight boots like calf boots, and then you know, she's got a cool looking mask with with more pronounced horns than Matt does, but then like a shroud around her. Uh, around her mouth it's it just i love the costume design they they came up with and uh it makes it, it yeah it makes it really interesting and you're right there is a lot going on zadarsky's uh juggling a lot of things here different not only is fisk possibly trying to start maybe even a personal relationship with a classic daredevil villain then we've got another classic daredevil villain that like to, to jay's point we kind of saw it coming that may be returning and then we have another Daredevil villain uh, or villain group that may be involved with something that's going on in Hell's Kitchen that we found out that we find out during um, Electra's exploits as as the female Daredevil. And so it's like bringing all these classic villains and villain group. Like Matt's not going to be able to afford to to stay in prison, you know, regardless of what decision he makes, one way or the other. I mean, they're going to need him out there on the streets because it seems like um, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I don't know that Electra can handle it all on her own. So, yeah, really great book, great art, uh, continues yeah. to be really impressive. Uh, I didn't feel like this one had quite the emotional weight that some of his previous issues have. Um, but I feel like it's because so much story was jammed in here. It's Zdarsky doing kind of a little bit of a setup episode. Like this is going on over here and this is going on over here and this is going on over here. He's putting all the place, um, all the, the people, 
all the characters in place to have a big, you know, blow out something coming. Um, and so we didn't, there wasn't a lot of Matt in this issue. We got more of Electra and more of Kingpin and whatnot. So, um, which is totally fine. Uh, but it, it's hard to top the Zadarsky, Matt, Murdoch, angsty moments that he puts in the book. But yeah, really, really great title. Um, definitely loving it. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you got me on it. But it's like you said, all the chess uh, pieces are on the board now. Now he's got to see what plays out. But I think two Daredevils would be better than one. And if SciShow, hint, SciShow, ever come up with another uh, figurine, do the, do this one. Because I would definitely buy it. <laughs> female, yeah, female Daredevil, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Hot seller. And we didn't even mention the fact that Matt is maybe being recruited for something else that could bring in other villains. But then I wonder, does it tie into something else that's, you know. Down the road, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of doings, a lot of doings in Daredevil. Uh, all right, well, let me move on, uh, talk about first book uh, that I read. It's Amazing Spider-Man number 66. This one's from writer Nick Spencer. Classic Marvel penciler Mark Bagley handles the art. John Dell is the inker. Brian Raybear, colorist. Joe Caramagna on letters. Um, I'm not familiar with John Dell as an inker. Uh, this is definitely recognizable as Mark Bagley for the most part, but there's a few things here or there that just don't feel quite like Bagley art. There's, there is, was maybe two panels where I was reading it, where I, I, it kind of pulled me out of the story. I was like, that, that, that doesn't look right. I'm used to Bagley's art looking better than that. Um, but for the most of the issue, it felt like a really classic Spider-Man issue. And I, I feel like part of that is, the, you know, the figure work and the line work from Bagley, it's so familiar. Uh, he was, you know, on Amazing Spider-Man for such a long time. Um, and I had all those issues uh, and it's just fantastic. It, it feels very familiar. Um, and much like Daredevil, we do get the return of a, a couple of characters here. One is, you know, we're told, hey, Pete's going to see so-and-so. And then she shows up and She's got a little bit of a surprise. Pete himself is kind of shocked. And then the last one that shows up on the last page really made me do a what the what is going on? Uh, Nick Spencer's been telling the story of Kindred since issue one. I've complained about that, um, but we know Spencer likes to play the long game. Um, we also saw recently that the Rose, um, Richard Fisk, the Kingpin's son, who he actually despised, he uh, Kingpin had a chance to bring one person back to life. And rather than bringing back his wife, Vanessa, he brings back his son because that's what his wife would have wanted. And, and that's the way he, he shows his love. He, he kind of says, Vanessa, I know if you had this choice, you would choose to bring back Richard rather than yourself. So that's how I'm going to show how much I love you by bringing back your choice. So much like Daredevil, <laughs> we're getting a lot of return characters here in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. And we know that there's a big chameleon story coming up as well, a chameleon crossover story that we've been told about. So how does that fit in? I'm just not sure. Um, so in a, in a way, it feels like classic Spider-Man, especially with the Bagley art, like I said, uh, and all these different storylines and all these different plot pieces moving around. And Peter certainly feeling a bit overwhelmed and uh, you know he's got all kinds of stuff coming at him from all different sorts of directions. But to uh, to Jay's point that we were talking about earlier before we started recording, please, 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 for the love of God, Nick Spencer, can we resolve some of these storylines? 
you know, some of these storylines have been going on for 60 plus issues now. It's time to be done with them. <laughs> you know, it's time to be done with the Kindred storyline. It's time. It's more than I'm more than ready for the Kingpin to not be the mayor of New York City. Like, I, I can't imagine that the heroes of the Marvel Universe would allow him to have that much power and to have that um, that legitimacy that comes with the office for as long as he has had it. Like, I just think they would have gotten some dirt on him or something to get him out of the mayor's office because it's legitimizing him and it's not right. And I'm, I'm more than ready for him to, to go to prison, to get caught for something. And I mean, the guy's an out and out criminal. He's a complete scumbag. So I'm ready for him to go away uh, completely. So anyway, that's amazing. Spider-Man. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's an inconsistent title. I wish it was a little more consistent, but uh, I did enjoy this particular issue. Uh, all right, on to the next book we're going to talk about. It's a uh, it's a new series, but not necessarily a new concept. It's called uh, Fantastic Four Life Story. And uh, speaking of Chip Zdarsky, who we were talking about with Daredevil, he uh, previously had done a Spider-Man life story. And what's cool about it is each of the issues tells um, a story in a particular decade, right? So uh, there were certain events that were alluded to in the uh, Spider-Man life story, uh, both real life events and classic events that happened in those decades in the Spider-Man book that were brought in as kind of reference. So now we're doing the same thing with Fantastic Four. So obviously the first issue is the 60s. I'm not sure if the, um, I think the Spider-Man one was six, five issues, six issues. Um, so you had 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and I think the 2010s. Um, so I think it was six issues. I imagine we're going to get the same for Fantastic Four. So obviously this first issue is the 60s. It's written by Mark Russell. The art is by Sean Izaski, I think is how you pronounce it. It's I-Z-A-A-K-S-E. Apologies, Sean, if I'm mispronouncing that. The colors are by Nolan Woodard, and the letters are by Joe Caramagna. So, um, yeah, I don't know that Jay and I saw eye to eye on this one, but I guess we'll see. What did you think, Jay? Oh, well, and I read the uh, Spider-Man uh, life story. I was kind of expecting the same, like, retelling, but kind of, you know, modernized. I got that, but there seems a lot more, like we were talking about earlier, there seems like they're throwing a lot more into the story that wasn't there before. So I don't know if that's going to play out down the road. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I like the story. I like the artwork. But I feel like there's a little more that they're uh, they're, they're putting into the story that, that wasn't there before. You know, it's not like a retelling. It's like it's a retelling plus more for down the road. I enjoyed it. Um, I guess I like the Spider-Man one. It was fun. But that one, there wasn't a lot of, uh, I guess, changes to it. And this one, I feel like, like we were saying earlier, there's a lot, there's some more changes to the storyline here. But I don't know what, how they're going to play out with it later on. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I agree with you. I think that I, I don't know if I like this. And the Spider-Man one, I knew that I didn't like it. <laughs> so, um, and it wasn't it, – and it wasn't because I felt like it was rehab – because this is the thing. You know, we talk about Zdarsky bringing so much emotion to his stories. Um, and he did. He brought a lot of emotion to the Spider-Man life story. And, and he, yeah, he, I feel like he didn't change a bunch of events, like not big events. He allowed them to play out as they, as they originally played out over the decades of the Spider-Man comic. And what he did was instead of changing the story or the events that happened, he gave us how, how much it affected Peter and what Peter's emotional state was. So it was a very, somber book 
And I guess I shouldn't say that I, I didn't like it, but I, I just, I wasn't expecting that. I was, it, it did kind of have an uplifting ending when everything was said and done, but there was just so many times where I felt like, man, this book is really heavy. Um, and I, that's not my favorite sort of Spider-Man stuff. Although I guess it is pretty, pretty on point with, with who the character is, but you're right with fantastic four life story. Number one here, Mark Russell, he's bringing in a lot of changes, like, you know, not to spoil, but the relationship between Reed Richards and Ben Grimm is completely changed from, you know, how they, they meet and, you know, how long they're friends and throughout the whole issue, it's wildly different. Um, and I, I, I don't know, it feels in a way to me, it feels wrong to change the history of the fantastic Four that much. You have the freedom to do that in a, in a book like this that covers, you know, a 10 years in one issue, as long as, you know, you could split characters apart, bring them back together or whatever. Like as long as they're back together by the end of the issue, they could have been apart for, for years, nine and a half years. They're together at the beginning of the issue, split them apart for nine and a half years, bring them back together in the last six months of that decade. And then you go into the next decade and they're together again. Right. Um, <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know that I like that. That does, that doesn't, suit me i mean the fantastic four for all their family drama and dysfunction they are a family uh and they're family first you know they, they stick by one another i know there have been times where johnny has left the team or um ben has left the team shoot even reed and and um and sue left the team at, at one point um, but they always find a way to come back together and they're not apart for years and years so i, I i'm just not sure um but when I heard the description of the series, I didn't necessarily think I would like it. So this, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to pick this up. And, and I think it's for me. No, I, I was kind of already thinking that it didn't sound like it was, it was necessarily going to be for me, but I am a fan of Mark Russell. And I, I, it was interesting enough that I'm going to pick up the second issue just to kind of see where it goes. But I don't know. I, I think if, if the second issue doesn't really grab me, I'll probably uh, jump off. But it sounded like when we were talking earlier that you were probably in it for the, for the whole run. Yeah. I'm going to see where they're going with it, but uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. There's not the, the cohesion there with uh, Ben and Reed. Cause when you read the original, I mean, they were like brothers more or less. And this one, I feel there's a little more animosity there that it just, I don't know what they're going to go with that animosity. Cause you can tell it's still there at the end of the, the last page. So I don't know. Yeah. It just really, really strange. So it had a, it had a definitely had a different feel and I thought the art was okay. Uh, I'm not familiar with Sean, work i don't know that i've seen his work before it, it was okay it didn't didn't blow me away it didn't hate it so i know a lot of people be be checking it out so be curious to kind of see uh, how people feel about it in the long run uh all right up next uh, i have a book it's called home this is the second issue it's written by julio anta the art is by anna weisnick colors are by brian valenza letters by hassan atzman elhow uh, this is the story of um, a mother and her son who are uh, who refugees from from Guatemala, the terrible street crime there, whatever. Her husband has been killed. She has a sister who's living in the United States that's going to be able to get her a job. And she and her son are going to be able to live with that sister until they get a place of their own. So they make the very long and dangerous trek to come across the United States as illegal aliens and request asylum. So it's a very political book in that once they get there, um, they're separated. 
you know, which is a policy that the last um, presidential administration enacted where they would separate children from, from their parents. And that's what happens in the first issue. And then there, you know, the woman is distraught over losing her son. The, the son is worried about finding his mother. Um, the, the guards that work in these uh, particular detention centers aren't depicted in the most favorable light, how accurate that is. You know, I, I couldn't say from experience or anything like that. Um, but what I do know is, you know, the little boy is sort of traumatized and that trauma manifests it, uh, itself in him discovering that he has powers. He, he can basically, um, he has sort of some sort of fire based powers. So, um, in that instance, when he's threatened, he basically kind of explodes like a bomb that allows him to escape. And that's where the first issue ends. So the second issue is him on the run, um, trying to, to reconnect with his aunt, trying to find out where his mother is. And uh, again, it, it's, it's a very political book, um, but at its heart, it's about family and trying to find a home, you know, trying to find a place where you belong as indicated by the title. Um, another part of the reason I wanted to, to talk about it, you know, this is a, a book by a, a Latin creator. Um, and I feel like we hear a lot about books from, from creators of color, uh, whether that be African-American or, uh, or Middle Eastern, there's tons of Asian creators that are, are celebrated. We just had the, uh, absolutely fantastic DC festival of heroes book, um, and I feel like the the Latin community isn't quite as represented as a lot of the other uh, communities for for whatever reason, and, but I think there's a lot to be uh, explored there. Um, and I mean, I know a lot of of uh, fans who uh, of comics who are um, of Latin descent. So hopefully, this is a trend that's going to continue with Latin creators um, telling their stories because there are you know a number of really great. Um, Latin creators out there. So that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about this. And the book is very relevant. Uh, Julio Anta has been, been working on this for a long time. It's not like this book just, just came out of the blue. He shopped it around for a long time before he finally was able to find a home for it. So um, I think it is worth reading. It's a good story. Uh, the artwork is a little bit uh, cartoony, uh, which I think sort of suits the story and it, it helps <laughs> to keep from making the stories feel too dark. It does give a little bit of sense of, of hopefulness because it is sort of a Saturday morning cartoon, like in the, uh, in that animation style. So even though it's sort of uh, real world politics and these really important issues that are being uh, explored, it is a little, you know, you, you hope that there's a happy ending and you do get a sense that it's, um, it's a little bit lighter based on the art and the color work. So uh, I wanted to mention it. I read the first issue and I, I liked it enough to come back for the second. So uh, if you're curious about it, check it out. It's called Home. Uh, and I think it's a solid, solid book. So, uh, all right, on to Jay's next book. Um, the, the one that changes it all. The whole team on Radiant Black has been talking about how much issue four changes everything. And it, it certainly does. Um, but of course, we can't talk about it necessarily. We're going to have to be super vague. Um, but <laughs> it, it's written by Kyle Higgins. The art is by Marcelo Costa. Color assistant is Ron Fernandez. Uh, letters by Becca Carey. Logo, Rich Bloom. Editor and designer, Michael Basudel. Um, 
God, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't. What you, what do you think, Jay? Like what, what, what did you think when you read this? What was your reaction? When you first read it, uh, you know, it's, uh, Nathan's the main character. So he actually, um, can understand the language now because in the first couple of issues they would speak a different language he really couldn't understand it but now he's kind of like um tuned in with the the bean i guess and now he can understand what's going on he actually can actually speak the language too so that's kind of kind of interesting uh there's a big fight scene in there uh, you got the uh i guess i guess was it radiant red i guess what they call him i guess in that book there's a fight scene which leads to something terrible and then you then he was just I don't know. I thought I was kind of invested in this, you know, invested in this whole story. And I'm just like, I don't know where they're going to go with it now. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, at all with it, <laughs> but it was a good story regardless. I mean, it's a great story. Yeah. It's a really great story and it totally has me hooked and I'm totally invested. And now, like you said, I don't know what to think. I, I got to wait a whole month for the next issue to figure out what the heck. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, they, I, because I mean, the first issue was, you know, inter- introduction, the second issue was was very much kind of the fallout and, and the character moments of the consequences of issue one. Issue three was all about Nate as sort of a creative, and it was a very meta issue. And so I felt like we were still kind of finding our footing, um, but I was totally hooked. And then, uh, you know, Nate's best friend, Marshall, has even been taught, like, dude, you need to learn how to use your powers. And we finally get a little bit of that in this issue. So I think, okay, he's on his way to, to figuring out how to be a hero and whatnot. And you you know, see what he's going to be able to do on Earth as as a hero. Is he going to fight Radiant Red? Is he going to find another way to contribute to society on Earth and what not whatnot? And then all of a sudden, you know what happens at the end happens, and now I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know, and it's hard to even it's hard for me to even throw out like ideas and speculation on what could happen. Because even my speculation would be a spoiler in a way. So the big events that happen, I mean, it's comics. So you can always swerve and you can always do take backs in such a way. There's creative ways you can get around things. Um, and we're certainly talking about a character that has the power of a black hole, right? Where gravity and uh, is so strong, it even absorbs light. And you can start talking about you know, light and relativity. And with that comes time travel and that allows you to undo things and whatnot. And so I don't know, kudos to the whole creative team, right? Because I, this is a book tomorrow that people or today, as you listen to this, the Wednesday that it comes out, I'll put it that way. People are going to be talking about this book. A lot of people are going to be like, Oh crap. What just happened? How could you do this? We don't know what to expect. Yeah. I mean, this was, Wow. Yeah, it was it was good. Like I said, I, I think it came down to that one question that Bean was asking, and I think that that's that's what changed everything. Was that one question? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it was. Full, I mean, I don't know because you know they both had different answers on that one. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did because they're fundamentally different characters. Right. But at the same time, we saw Nate really being quite heroic in this issue. Right. The whole idea of self sacrifice and and you know fighting radiant red and doing things the right way. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You've thrown me for a complete loop. Kyle Higgins um, was not expecting that. So uh, again, very curious what people are going to be saying tomorrow about, about radiant black number four. 
Um, and I think in the very first interview I had with Kyle, we were talking about number four. He specifically said four is going to throw everybody for a loop. Um, so yeah, um, this series could end up being something totally different. And I think he even mentioned that, that it could be something totally different than what we thought it was originally, which I find so fascinating. Uh, so I'm going to be curious to see what interviews he gives about the series now, because I feel like some of the things he said about the series early on were only true for the first four issues, because this is such a, a different direction that the series could take. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's it's fascinating, though. It's 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 absolutely spectacular. Like I said, I can't wait to see people's reaction. And I'm sure they're all on pins and needles. Like if I'm Kyle Higgins, I'm probably not sleeping that well tonight, knowing this is coming out tomorrow. And I'm just anticipating what everybody's going to be saying about it. Um, I would be, if I was him, I would be really anxious to know what everybody is saying. Um, just curious what the reactions will be. So, uh, all right, well, on to my next book. It's Stillwater from, uh, there's that name again, Chip Zdarsky. Uh, it's issue number seven. Uh, he is the creator and writer. Ramon K. Perez is listed as creator and artist. Mike Spicer does the colors. Russ Wooten is on letters. Um, and this was a brutal, brutal issue. So for those not familiar with the premise, basically Stillwater is a small town where nobody in within the town limits can die. Get an arm chopped off, it grows back. You fall off a building and break your neck, it heals. Burned alive, put the fire out, you'll come back. Uh, their mayor, or actually their, the judge who kind of runs the town, was blown up uh, when their town hall was bombed and, you know, burnt to a crisp um, and, you know, starts regenerating his limbs and whatnot. It's pretty, it's pretty gross actually to watch these people regenerate. Um, they do it relatively quickly. Um, but it's just a it, very interesting kind of socio-political book. Um, and it's specifically mentioned in this, in this issue sort of, how some of the people see the town, because here's the thing. There are certain people who only do thing. They only follow the law. They only, you know, choose not to harm other people because they know there are consequences, right? What if there are no consequences? What if you know you could do whatever you want? And I'm not talking necessarily about harming other people or doing, you know, depraved or evil things, but if you knew you were immortal what would prevent you from doing all kinds of crazy stuff? Let me see how many cars I can jump with my motorcycle. Let me see, you know, uh, how, how high up I can dive into uh, a, a body of water and, you know, because you know, you're going to live. So let me see how, how close to the ground I can pull my ripcord and survive. Right. There are no, there are no consequences and it can lead to this lack of, of respect for life because it's, it's no longer precious. Um, it's just another thing that's in abundance. And so that can have an effect on people. And some people, maybe they do go to the depraved side of things. Maybe they do go to the evil side of things or the fascist side of things or just want to control others. Or um, So there's a lot of that in this book. And some of it comes from a place of, well, they got to, they got to keep the secret of what, what is available in this town because the government found out they're going to come in, they're going to, you know, your life would never be your own again. And so I get that, but 
I think they've been living it so long and with the state of mind that they're in, because they are for all intents and purposes, immortal, they've taken it a step too far. They've in, in a way they've sort of lost some of their humanity. So in this particular issue, uh, we're getting some of the fallout of that bombing of, of city hall. And uh, it's basically two factions that have emerged and one is willing to do whatever it takes in order to sort of keep the secret of the town. Whereas the other just wants a little more freedom. I mean, if you, if you're in this town, you're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to contact your relatives. You're not allowed to, to do anything, but just live in the town. I mean, how I, I would go crazy, you know, like I would, I would just go stir crazy. Like, let me out of here. Um, so we're, we're seeing that come to a head. And then we're also, there's a reveal on the last page of this story about some others in the town that may become a third faction or may already be a, a third faction that might have a, a little bit better understanding of the, the ones that are in power and how to, how to fight back against them. So really, really great book. Um, I don't hear, I heard a lot of people talking about it when it first dropped, haven't heard much about it lately, but it's definitely worth your time. Uh, are you, are you reading Stillwater? I can't remember. Yeah, it's blue. It's brutal. That last bit, uh, I mean, a lot of, uh, chopping around there. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Just watching the people regrow their limbs and their nose regrowing back. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking, speaking of depraved, uh. <laughs> depraved, depraved in a different way. Uh, one of Jay's favorite books on stands right now, stray dogs, chapter four, play dead. Uh, from writer Tony Fleeks. Art is by Trish Forstner. Colors by Brad Simpson. Layouts by Tone Rodriguez. Flatters Lauren Perry. And uh, I finally got caught up on this book, like I've been threatening to do. And uh, yeah, well, I, I have some thoughts as well, but we'll let you go first, Jay. What'd you think? All I got to say is the creative team there is doing amazing work. Um <laughs> So we finally, you know, get to find out what happened to the last dog, Victor, because he was, uh, you know, he was he called nine one one more or less. He knew how to use the phone. Um, I guess the older dog, I guess Earl, he's like the leader of the pack. He's the older dog. He, you know, refuses to believe there's anything wrong with the master. He's like, oh, I remember when I was a puppy, took care of me. But then we find out later on, it was more to the story. He remembers. Sophie uh, was a brave one to go see what happened in the back area, and she told everybody not to do it, and they did. And all I got to say is, uh, you guys, see what happens next? And I just love that, you know, it's gory and bloody, but the artists and the coloring, they do an amazing job of not showing it. They still keep it Disney-ish, but just leaving it to your imagination of what's, what, you know, what it, what's going on. And the ending panel was just like, oh, because if you're a pet lover, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that, I feel like that's the whole thing that's wrong with this book. <laughs> they tug at your they tug at your heart especially if you're an animal lover that's all i gotta say it's like man it got me so for me i'm just gonna say it out it's my book of the week because they got me because i already you know emotionally attached to these dogs <laughs> i have three dogs myself obviously i like dogs um and it's yeah it's the <laughs> it's just the juxtaposition of this disney style like animation looking art um or if you're just flipping through it, you would think, oh, you know, this is a really cute story. Like, for example, like a perfect example. I, so I, I was about to read the, my preview copy. Uh, well, actually, no, I take that back. I was about to read issue one because I hadn't read any of them. So I was about to read issue one the other day and it was uh, it was up on my 
screen on my computer and my daughter comes by and she's she loves dogs more than i do and she sees the 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 cover and she goes oh puppies can i daddy can i read this book no you cannot read this book <laughs> you know and, and that's what's so disturbing about it you know um and so i yeah i i agree that the the creative team is on to something interesting and special um and i'm i'm interested enough in the story to see where it goes because you know we're, it's this is very much like a crime noir or a serial killer story but told from the perspective of dogs and that that's such an interesting way to do it because they're messing around with you know the, the idea that dogs don't have very good memories and and they you know their memories don't last they only have short very short-term memories and and things like that and, and that aspect of it is playing in to the story and um like this is very much a a story about dogs uh and, and it's the serial killer aspect of it is more just kind of the situation they find themselves in rather than the impetus of the, of the story and if you notice we never we never get a clear look it's kind of like um peanuts in that way right like if you watch a peanuts cartoon it's always focused on the kids. You never see any of the adults. You don't even hear their voices. Instead, it's the wah, 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 right? Well, here, it's all focused on the dogs. And the only time we see the humans is when the dogs are remembering something. But even then, we don't see their faces. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a single unobscured uh, human face here. We see them from behind. We see them from the side or part of their face is obscured in some way or another. Um, so this is very much a story about the dogs and their perspective. So... Yeah, really interesting, um, but in a way, it makes it so disturbing because of <laughs> because of the artwork, because of the art style. It's misleading, very misleading. Yeah, that they've chosen to use here, the art style just it makes all the difference. If they had chosen a different art style, a more photorealistic art style, or a kind of a you know, traditional kind of horror style where things were dark and moody or whatever, this would be a completely different book. It's the fact that they've chosen the, the style that they've chosen that makes it work so well. And, and, you know, just, it adds to the shock value when you do see something that, like you said, there's no, it's not overt in terms of blood or, you know, brutal scenes or whatever. Uh, it's very, very G rated in that way, but there are moments where you just go, Oh, okay that's a brutal way to to look at it so oh yeah yeah, yeah. It's, now uh, you, def <laughs> yeah now you got me hooked i don't know if it'll be at the top of my style it's the first book you read every week when it comes out right oh definitely i mean uh i'm sure uh, john wick would not approve of this book <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah that is a hundred percent true john wick would uh yeah he'd have to bust open a can of whoop ass on somebody uh for messing with dogs in this book for sure uh, all right. Well, let me see what's my next book I'm going to talk about. Uh, all right. Uh, Aftershock title, Undone by Blood. This is issue number three. Uh, it's Undone by Blood or The Other Side of Eden is the full title. It's from Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson. Art is by uh, Sammy Cavella. Colors by Jason Wordy. Letters by Hassan Otsman Elhow. Uh, and just like the other Undone by Blood stories, it's it's telling a story in in like present time. And then it's paralleling that story in kind of an old pulp Western uh, novel that one of the characters is reading. So in terms of present time for this story, it's during the great depression, during the dust bowl 
And uh, it's so di- it's so wildly different from the first volume. And at first, I didn't I I wasn't sure how to take this because it did feel so different. The first one was set in the seventies, um, and it was kind of like a, a very much in that seventies exploitation style. Um, and this is much different. This is much more pulp, much more, um, you know, train robbery heist kind of story. And now that I've kind of wrapped my head around that with, the, with this third issue, I'm really enjoying where it's going. Uh, the characters are, are wildly different in their, their characterization, sort of pushed together by circumstance circumstances of being poor and struggling to get by in this time period where, um, you know, resources were scarce in the United States. And so it's a, it's a very interesting story that's being told. And the artwork is really spectacular, both in the, the current timeline in the, in the uh, late twenties, early thirties and the um, almost more illustrative style when they, uh, tell us the, the kind of the story that is unfolding in the novel uh, of this Western hero called uh, Solomon Kane. So uh, absolutely fantastic. I love, love the book. Um, I, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I like it as much as the first series. Um, I feel like the first series was, was even better than this one. But I mean, the first series was like a nine and this is maybe a, a seven or an eight. So it's still very, very good. Um, but I, I, there was something special about that first one. And maybe it's just the time period. You know, I was alive. I was alive during the seventies. I can relate to that a little more. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a really good book. And uh, I want to say that the first uh, or that the series got, got optioned to be a TV show. And I could definitely see it working very well uh, as a TV show, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that that's the case, but I, I think it is. But uh, anyway, it's another one of those really cool titles that uh, shows that Aftershock really knows what they're doing. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, a really interesting story. love the dual narrative uh, and how, who's ever reading the story of, of Solomon sort of sees how the story they're reading sort of ties into what they're going through in their own life. It's almost like they're, they're getting inspiration by reading this, uh, this novel uh, with this Western hard boiled Western character. So, uh, all right. Up next, we have way of X number two. This one's written by Cy Spurrier. Art is by Bob Quinn. Colors are by Java. Tardagilla, letters by Clayton Cowles, and uh, wow, this is a weird, <laughs> this is a weird book. Uh, what did you think, Jay? It was good. There's uh, so much going on in the story uh, without giving away too much. It's like uh, from the first issue, we know that uh, Nightcrawler runs into Legion, and uh, they talk and do a little meeting, and then Legion does Kurt a favor by removing something for him that was hidden. And he says, don't forget a favor for a favor. And then uh, as Kurt goes to get the team together, go find Legion. He has to pay that favor back. And him being, you know, a, you know, a Catholic and a, and a priest and all this, he did the unthinkable because he had to, because he had to do it because he knew he owed the favor. Because in the, the Marvel world, you can come back once you're dead. So 
you know, no matter where you're at, they always come back. So it was a risk. He did it. And then uh, you find out at the end, so I don't want to get too much of the story, but at the very end that there's a mysterious creature uh, known as Patchwork is not who you think it is. It's somebody else because Legion knew all along who it was. Yeah, I mean, it's nice birdier, so you expect it to be somewhat different. And in, in a way, sort of similar to Stillwater, right? Yeah, I was kind of getting that vibe. I was like, is I think yeah. they copy from each other? What's going on here? Yeah, because, you know, we know that the, the mutants right now are effectively immortal with the five who can bring any mutant back from the dead. Uh, and then Xavier can return their consciousness to them from a backup. And what is that doing to the mutant society? That's what Spurrier was, was hinting about a lot in the first issue. Uh, isn't leading to depravity, isn't leading to, uh, in Nightcrawler's words, a bunch of sin. Uh, is he the one that needs to sort of nip that in the bug? And that um, that's sort of the, the whole idea of the story, right? Way of X, like you need to follow. It's like, that's the religion. You need to follow the way of X. And if you're going to have a mutant start a religion and be the head of it, the Pope of it, why wouldn't you go with Nightcrawler, the most uh, religious of all, who's finding out that his Catholic beliefs maybe weren't all they were cracked up to be in this story. So yeah, it's super weird. It's super existential. I could see some people not really liking this. Um, I give props to um, Jonathan Hickman for wanting to explore all aspects of a new society from religion to in way of X to business in um, in X Corp to you know, a detective story and X factor, which I've heard a lot of people disappointed that X factor is coming to an end. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating what they're doing. I'm just, I'm not sure if this, this, this way of X is, I don't know if I'm into it. I don't know if it's interesting enough for me. Um, it's different. <laughs> yeah. You're getting into a lot of philosophy. And I, I, I say that I, I really, I like comics that make you think maybe it's uh, nine years of Catholic school talking where I just don't, <laughs> I do like comics that make me think, but I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm at a place in my life where I really want to explore religion. I, I spent too much of my life mired in religion um, to kind of want to go down that path. Uh, but the reveal of who the patchwork man might be, because again, we only have Legion's word for it could be interesting. Um, I definitely think the book could use a little more action. Uh, I'll say that for sure. And, and yeah, you know, know, they only get some in the beginning and the very end. So yeah, it's kind of like, where's all the fighting at? <laughs> well, I mean, and this is the problem that I have with Legion as a character. He's so powerful and he can warp reality. So it's almost like, I don't want to say a writer's lazy for using him, but when you bring him in, when you bring Legion into a book as a character, you can make it as crazy, weird, makes no sense as you want to, because then you just go, oh, well, Legion. That's because <laughs> Legion. You right. know? And it just, that kind of, it makes, for, in my experience, it makes for messy storytelling. Um, and I, I, I felt like part of the X-Men disassembled storyline that led into age of X-Men was a little um, it was a little messy for exactly that reason. And when you, if you looked at it too closely, it, the only explanation, Oh, well, cause Legion. So that, that just, it doesn't sit that well with me. It's not, I don't know. I'm a little too much of a type A personality. I guess I need a little more um, explanation than that. So <laughs> got it. Uh, anyway, last book I'm going to talk about time of monsters um, 
It's written by Alex Pacnadel and Al Ewing. Uh, they collaborated on the story. Pacnadel did the script. Juan Ferrer does the art and colors. Corey Petit on letters. And then there's a, a backup story that is written by, hold on, let me get there, uh, Dave Vaughn. Legendary Kevin Nolan does the art and the color and the letters. And uh, the backup story was was okay. The best part of it about it is the Kevin Nolan art. It's very much recognizable as Kevin Nolan art, but it felt a little bit like, what was the point? Um, although you don't often get to see Marvel's version of the Scarecrow, uh, who's called the Scarecrow, same as the DC version. Uh, so at least he shows up there. And it was an okay enough story, but really the, the important part of this story is the time of monsters where we get sort of the, the origin of the one... Uh, from below supposedly first creating whatever version of of hulk is is out there you know the devil hulk or whatever he's been called the guy that's been starring in immortal hulk for all this time so this is basically the origin of him and i can't really say much more than that without giving it away it's way back in time prehistoric times um there's some brutal scenes um the art from juan ferrer is is absolutely spectacular you know he handles the the line work and the color work and it's very recognizable as Juan and it's it's a very impactful story and I'm very very curious how like why they chose to tell this origin story of the Devil Hulk and how it's going to play into the the last issues of Immortal Hulk because Immortal Hulk's coming to an end with issue 50 so we're coming up on the end really really quickly and how you know I'm curious if this is going to if any of this is going to be uh, referred to so if you're Digging Immortal Hulk, you definitely got to read this. Um, it's that same sort of body horror type feel in the art. Um, the story itself is, you know, again, it's very much an origin story. So while it's not predictable, it is sort of, um, you know, paint by the numbers. It, you know, as the story plays out, you kind of see what happens and you can sort of, it, it all makes sense. You know, this isn't like, doesn't have some big plot twist in it or uh, any kind of big surprises. Everything sort of just plays out in the way that you would uh, expect. Um, but it's still a very, very good story and, and worth it alone just for the art. Um, but being reminded that we're coming to the end of the Immortal Hulk story, I am very curious to know, kind of wonder what they're what Marvel's going to do with, with the Hulk. I, I personally, I think it's really time to get back to a more superhero based incredible hulk those are kind of my favorite hulk stories like the professor hulk when he's got banners intellect and he's he's much more of a, a superhero as opposed to a horror character like he's been for the last three or four years but i guess we'll see um i mean that is one of the good things about hulk he works in in multiple ways so i guess we'll see how that all plays out um man if i if i had to pick Kind of a kind of a tough week um, to pick. Uh, I'd have to go with Radiant Black for my book of the week, just for the sheer shock value and for the fact that what they've done is left us all completely guessing on on how and and what direction the series may continue in. Like I, I have absolutely no idea, and if I you know, having read all these books and all the DC books this week um, and, and others besides, if I had to read only one book, I would want it to be Radiant Black, even though 
that makes me want issue five, five that much more. Like I immediately wanted to dive into to issue five. So I guess we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, that, that does it for the books that we're going to talk about in detail. Let me give a rundown on some of the other titles that you might want to be on the lookout for when you hit your uh, comic shops today. Uh, from Aftershock Comics, in addition to um, Undone by Blood, The Other Side of Eden, there's also Bequest number three from Tim Seeley and, uh, and Freddie Williams. I thought it's the best issue of the series so far. It's really starting to be quite fun and uh, starting to all the parts of the story are starting to gel together and, and really work really, really well. Phantom on the scan number two is also out. That's a weird horror book with, with kind of esoteric art. That's also starting to come together with a, a lot of tension. So uh, I thought the second issue was vastly um, superior to the first issue. The first issue was just sort of, here's the characters, here's this weird situation they're in. And now with the second issue, we're starting to get some, some narrative. So uh, I really enjoyed the second issue of that. Uh, over at Boom Studios, we have Power Rangers number seven. Uh, also, We Only Find Them When They're Dead, number six. Another Al Ewing uh, written title. Uh, over at Dark Horse, I wanted to mention Invisible Kingdom, volume three, and other words, trade paperback is out today. Uh, that's written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Christian Ward. Uh, DC, and again, you can go listen to our DC Spotlight to hear the details on all these. Uh, Batman Fortnite, zero point number three. Batman fights Snake Eyes. It was a really cool issue, uh, and that's number three of six. Catwoman, number 31, one of the best books DC's putting out. Uh, Flash, number 770, was a lot of fun. Uh, Jay Garrick gets to punch Hitler, so there you go. Uh, if you missed out on Joker, number two, there is a second printing out uh, today. Uh, Justice League number 61 from uh, Brian Michael Bendis. We've got Legends of the Dark Knight number one with a story by D Derek Robertson. That's a digital first series that they've collected in print for the first time. Uh, Nightwing number 80, which is the other. It's a one of two. They're, they're tied for the best DC books uh, along with Catwoman. Uh, we've got Superman Red and Blue number three of six. Wonder Girl uh, number one, which is the, the debut of Yara Flores uh, solo series. Uh, meanwhile, over at uh, IDW, we've got uh, Transformers number 30, also Transformers Beast Wars number four, and Transformers Escape number three of five. And I, I really feel like there's more Transformer books coming out from them uh, all the time, but they seem to sell. So uh, over at uh, Image, in addition to Radiant Black and Home, and Stillwater that we talked about, we've also got Scumbag number eight, which we probably would have talked about, except I forgot to send it over to Jay. Uh, so we didn't get a chance to, to read it yet. But that's out there uh, from Rick Remender. Also Walking Dead Deluxe number 15. That's the re-presentation of the classic Walking Dead comic from Robert Kirkman, uh, but presented in color. Uh, over at Marvel, in addition to the books that we talked about, we've got Captain America number 29, We've got uh, Heroes Reborn number three, which I really enjoyed. Um, it's basically the story of a blur. Um, we've also got Shang-Chi number one, which starts a new series for that character in anticipation of the movie. Uh, we've got Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 12, which ties into the Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters uh, event that's going on. And we'll have our normal Friday spotlight this week where we go in-depth on Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 12. Uh, we've also got uh, Wolverine 
number 12 in the X-Men corner of, uh, of the Marvel Universe. Uh, over at Titan Comics, Blade Runner Origins number four, continuing to tell the origin of that character. And uh, I think that is it. So uh, a lot of good books out this week, like I said. Uh, Jay's book of the week is uh, Stray Dogs number four. My book of the week, Radiant Black number four. Uh, they're both brutal in different ways and, and super interesting. And we definitely recommend that you uh, you pick them up. So uh, any last thoughts, Jay, before we uh, we sign off? Oh, no. I just wanted to ask, did you get your pen for uh, the number one pen pen or whatever it was? I did. I did get my pen for Walesville. Uh, really enjoyed Walesville. If anybody didn't get a chance to check out the, the YouTube video or the podcast, not only do I chat with Matt Kent, the writer of Walesville and Rocks and Minerals, but my daughter comes on at the end with one of her friends to give uh, a true, authentic, genuine uh, review from a nine and a 10 year old on this, uh, this all ages book. Uh, but yeah, I was able to get, uh, a first, you know, first copy pin by, by being the first one to uh, purchase it. But so that I I've, I've been three for three so far, there's five pins total. I'm three for three getting the pins, but I've not gotten a pin in the same way at any time. Like it's always been something where I didn't think I was going to get it. And then I ended up getting it in a different way from a different store even. Um, so it's been an adventure every time. And I, I can't, I, I mean, that I've gotten three of five, I'm definitely committed. I gotta, you know, I gotta do whatever I can do to get the set uh, other than buy it. I won't, I won't pay money for it, but if I can find a way to get my hands on it, another way make sure I'm there early, I, I will. Um, Cause the previous time for pin number two, I got there at midnight and I was there all night. Nobody showed up till like seven o'clock the following morning. So this time I got there, I said, I'm going to get up at four. I'm going to sleep for four hours, go to bed at midnight, get up at four, sleep for four hours, and then I'll drive down there. So I got there at 430, and there was already somebody there, and he'd gotten there like 15 minutes earlier. So if I would have flipped them, if I would have shown up at 4 a.m. the second time, I would have been fine. If I showed up at midnight the last time, I would have been fine. So now it's like, is that guy going to show up even earlier <laughs> next time? Because I... He knows I, I told him, I was like, I got here at midnight last time. So is he going to be out there at 9, 9 p.m.? Like, hmm, what's going what's gonna to happen? So, <laughs> so we'll see. But yeah, I did, I, did, uh, I did get my pin. So awesome. three for three. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We want to thank you for listening, as always. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.